0: What's up, guys? This is Timothy Douglas with the Living the Dream People of Austin podcast, where our goal is to build a community in Austin that helps people achieve their dreams and ideal lifestyle by inspiring action and accountability. If you want to help me achieve my dream of helping 120 people buy or sell a home in the Austin area before 2021 is over, and you know somebody that's looking to sell real estate or buy real estate, send them my way, because I would be extremely grateful. All right, let's help each other achieve our dreams all right hey everybody welcome back to living the dream the people boston podcast and today we are here with john harrell who is an author podcaster and speaker and i had the privilege of being on his podcast not too long ago and we'll link that down in the show notes for later if you want to go check that out but john how are you doing
1: i'm doing very well how are you this morning timothy
0: doing great doing great thanks for asking and so on the show, we just like to hop right into it and get to know a little bit more about you. So why don't you go ahead and start telling us a bit about your family?
1: Sure. I was raised in a small town, a town called Sherman, Texas. It's 60 miles straight north of Dallas. I always call it a good place to be from. Uh, I (laughs) grew up with my dad and my mom, both in the home, but it was a really violent, um, fear-filled home environment. And so I, uh, I mean, I would get Eaten just for spilling water or something. So I grew up with this real deep insecurity and in trying to manipulate, manipulate away my, my way around that. And I've had to learn how to not be that person as an adult. Um, so anybody that's listening that feels like they're in the same book, try to try to do it before you reach adulthood. It's a lot, it's a lot easier trip. Uh, I've been in Austin for 28 years. I have two sons, they're 27 and 25. Good, good guys. I, I tell my 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 sons, I say, you know. I love you always. There's nothing that can that you can do that that can stop me from loving you. I don't always like you. I don't always like the decisions you make. It doesn't change how I feel about you. Um, and the mom, we, she and I are divorced, but she lives here in, in town as well.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Next, nice, nice. Thanks for uh, thanks for telling us about that. And uh, Sherman, Texas. <laughs> Good, place Good place to be place from. To be from. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you like to do for fun.
1: Whoa, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I'm a real people person. I've just had this high social quotient. I have a, uh, an outgoing personality, but I also enjoy my solitude. So, to me, sitting, you know, it's raining today and uh, I've got lots of other stuff to do. But if I didn't, I'd sit and read a book or you know, I'll exercise this afternoon, I will um, go out with my friends, get together with them and barbecue and, and uh, just try to you know, engage. And I started the podcast back in December because I have the energy of 10 normal humans I needed to do something with it so I was having to be I was forced to work from home and so uh I thought you know people keep telling me start a podcast start a podcast I go okay I guess since a dozen different people unrelated to each other said that maybe I should start a podcast so I I, I started that in, in December it's the determined people podcast if anybody wants to tune in and then um I had fun with that. I wrote a book in twenty eighteen called "Killing My Father and Then Finding Him," and so I write a daily inspirational blog. I record podcasts every day, a one minute inspirational message. Then on Sundays, I drop an interview as we did with you. Um, so really interesting, remarkable people. I mean, I have been. God has brought me some incredible people to talk to, and every every single one of them has been willing and open about sharing their story and it's it's just it's just great everybody has a story people think they don't but they do and i love i have this infinite curiosity it's the scientist it's the science geek in me okay and yeah. i love to get to get inside people's heads and, and their hearts and see what makes them tick i always feel sorry for my seatmate i fly from here to los angeles because <laughs> three and a half hour flight I actually had, i actually had somebody ask to be moved because i was i was questioning them so much that's only happened once but it did happen
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome no i love it
1: it's amazing what you what people will share with you when you approach that conversation and let if i bring my guard down it encourages them to let their guard down and they will openly share i've heard stuff from people that very intimate details of their life that that they don't share with you know a lot of their close friends but they told a complete stranger they know for three hours so i feel i feel fortunate to have that kind of personality so these are these kind of things though are fun for me i don't go out and you know hit the bar scene and stuff that's just not my not my thing anymore when i was your age i did but yeah you know i had a lot of living into these years so uh, that, that's really that's how i entertain myself the creative yeah. side really is fun so
0: no i love that and i uh it kind of ties right into your uh Occupation of like author, speaker, podcaster. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that part of your life looks like? Other than I know you said you like will go to detention centers and stuff. So tell us a little bit more about
1: that. Yeah, that Timothy is probably one of my greatest privileges, and and I've got a lot of, of things I feel privileged to do. Um, through a connection I made about six years ago, I was asked I was asked if I could go in and speak to the kids, and you gotta you gotta kind of paint the picture here. When I walk into a detention center, it's a hundred kids and almost to a person is either black or Mexican. They don't look like me, I'm much older than them. These are kids seven to 17 who are, they're just kids. And, And they've done some really bad stuff to get put into the detention center. And many of these kids will end up in prison down the road. But when you look in their eyes, they're just kids. And you see that they're just scared kids is all they are. And they don't have good family backgrounds. Most of them, they don't have any structure. They are, are uh, raised around a lot of dysfunctional people, and they have found their way to manipulate their way through through life. They just happen to get caught for pushing drugs or skipping school too much and uh, armed robbery. Sometimes, I mean, it's a it's a it's a whole gamut. But uh, and I always start off the same way because you can see the look in their face when they walk into the room. They don't know me. They have never seen me. But I look at them, I say, I, I have one superpower. And that superpower is I can read your minds. And they start looking at me like, you know, that look that your dog gives you when he's trying to figure out what you're saying, you know, they're yep. their heads side the side. I say, you're looking at me and you're thinking, what could I possibly have in common with this older, extremely good looking white man? And <laughs> when I say that, they laugh. If you can get a kid who is just scared to death a laugh, their guard comes down a little bit. And I just say, if you'll allow me the next 30 minutes of your time, I'm gonna share with you how we are not as different as we may appear to be on the outside. And I just go in wanna start telling my story. And so um, and within about three or four minutes, you can see it, you can sense it in the room, all the skin color difference, all the age difference, it all just melts away. And they start seeing me as one of them. And that is the greatest privilege, because I, I I love, I have a real heart for kids, for young people, a struggle, and, you know, when, when you see that that youth suicide became the number two killer of kids in 2016, it's heartbreaking to me, you know, when you're a young person, you've lost all hope, and you think that taking your life is the only way out, it's not, so try to make an impression, and, and, I, and I know that I'm effective, you know, out of hundred kids, you may reach one, two, three, four, five. You, you never know. And I, the one thing I wish I knew is I knew. I wish I knew what happened to them down the road. But I don't have that ability because you know the, they have to protect their identity, and I can't. I can't stay in touch with them. But I'm always curious. But I had I had a group of kids from that from the detention center write me thank you notes of their own volition. Kids don't do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, kids just don't write thank you notes, and, and, but they did. I got 14 of them. And I'm like, I still have them. They're, they're, they're just, they're, they're really hit me at the heart. And so, the, but the thing is this, let me, let me back up on that a little bit. Had I not grown up in a crazy, fear-filled home, I wouldn't have, I would have no credibility going into that attention center and talking to them about a screwed up family life. If I had a normal, what I would call a normal, happy family and all and all that, we were still close family. um, It wouldn't happen because I'd be just some other guy in there talking about how to set goals and you know, dream dreams and live that and all that. But but I come to them with a with an area that they can empathize with. They they we we have a, a common connection there, and it's great. I I leave. I'm always exhausted when I leave because I give two talks and at the same time I'm just on top of the world i feel so good being able to reach those kids so when we talk about stuff that you know is a, is a is a is a touchy subject we talk about youth suicide and i'll say to these kids i'll say you in a group this big i know there's some of you that have, that have given up hope there's some of you that plan to to pull a plug you're 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 done and i'm just going to ask you Give it you know get back up get back in the ring give it one more round if you get knocked down get up and and go swing again and keep fighting keep fighting keep fighting because what you are experiencing now won't last forever what you're experiencing now is just right now but you've got to keep hope and just keep looking down the road and if you will get there you will get out this won't last forever And, and the truth is that the people that work in the detention centers are wonderful people. They are there because they want to make an impact on those kids' lives, and you know, kids kids that are in there are pretty pretty scared, and they don't trust adults because that's not worked out so well for them. Yeah. But I encourage them to to step out on that limb because the people that are that work there, and I know them, and a lot of those people have been there a long time. They're not going to betray your trust. They're going to help you and guide you, and they can they can. Help you make a make a turnaround in your life. But it's not like flipping a switch. It doesn't just immediately happen. And we live in the FedEx society where we get everything tomorrow. I really want want it two days ago. Right. Yeah. But but it's like if you will just open up and let them. You've got good people around you here. And so uh, but again, that's my that's probably my greatest privilege is to be able to go in and speak to those kids and really connect with them it's one thing to go talk, it's another one to truly connect with them, because they'll always hang around and, and want to talk and ask questions individually until they, you know, their day is scripted, so they have to leave at a certain point, but it's great, and they are, they are fearless in asking you anything, And I, but I love it, you know, with kids, you have to be really honest, you cannot lie to them, you can't dodge a question, because they will pick up on it, and then you've lost credibility, so, anyway, that, I can talk about that till this time tomorrow on one breath and I really can I just
0: enjoy (laughs) it (laughs) yeah yeah no I love it um thank you for telling us about it uh just curious you talked about how you would talk to these kids who range from 7 to 17 correct Mm -hmm. and you're talking to them about like keeping their perspective like forward and like you will get through this, you can get through this, like stay focused. But as a kid, I know for me, I would, when I was like 13, I would think things were gonna be permanent that literally lasted for five to six months, you know? And my question to you is, are there, what are some of the like the common objections that come up with that, keep that perspective long for the kids?
1: Um, I've had a kid or two actually tell me privately after the talk, that they were they were the ones that were going to pull the trigger when they left, and they decided that they were going to going to stick it out. So what I say to them when when, when that comes up, because I tell a story of um, getting a it wasn't a whipping, it was beyond a whipping by my father. I mean, I, he made me strip naked in front of my friends, and um, it was humiliating, absolutely humiliating, and I was just dying inside because you know when you're a 12 year old kid all you can think of is it's not just the physical pain it's the emotional pain and you think about that kids at school are going to find out and you'll be absolutely humiliated because you know you don't want people to think that you grow up in a crazy house you want everybody to think everything's cool everything's good and I said I I, I bring this up I'm glad you asked that because I bring it up and I said look at that point in my life I'm, I'm going. I, you know, at that point, I lost any relationship that I was possibly ever had with my father. And I'm an I'm an, I'm an optimistic person, eternally optimistic, to the point where I nauseate people. But the um, I say at that point, I still have six more years before I can leave my parents' home. I never thought about running away. I guess I was too scared to run away, tell you the truth. But but I never thought about that. And um, I just thought I got six years. That's When you're 12, that's half your life. It seems like an eternity. You know, I'm just going to have to put my blinders on and I'm going to have to do it one day at a time. But that day will come. I will get there. And uh, that's the best advice I can say to them because, you know, it seems like forever. You're never going to get away. You have no control over your life when you're there. You can't even drive. You can't escape. And the, the you know in the last year with the pandemic when kids are forced to stay home from school and parents that are abusive parents are there with them well school at least gave the kids a little bit of a break that that was taken away so yeah. I, I really I thought about those kids a lot over the last year just thinking what's going to happen with those kind you know those, those kids that are from bad bad um, homes and and that happens you know. Abuse happens in nice neighborhoods. It happens in crappy neighborhoods. It, ha- it, it doesn't have a social status attached to it. Um, it, it, but it, but it, but it does. What is remarkable to me is, is how, many, how few whites are actually in detention. And I don't really know why I haven't had, had an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that um, is in administration about it. We just because usually it's, I don't have a lot of time with them. But I'm curious because these are so societal things that um, make me, you know, make me I question everything. You know, it, in, in science, I'm a science geek, as I said. But in science, there are no answers; there's just more questions, and yep. so it's just what keeps you going. But um, sometimes there there are some whites in there, and and and, but it's very few, usually no more than two or three or four. Or so, um, but again, every kid that's in there has done some bad stuff. Um, and a lot of kids that they hang around with have done some best. But people wanna belong. So they tend to belong to groups of bad kids, You know, be, there's some gang members and stuff and, and also, but to answer that question and not ramble any, any longer, um, just try to say, you gotta get tunnel vision and just live your life one day at a time. You can get through it. I encourage you to get involved in things at school such as sports. If you're not sports, if you're not athletic, Uh, get involved in in choir, get involved in in acting, theater. There's nothing wrong with that. It gives you the emotional outlet to deal with all the stuff that you're holding inside of you. If you don't have a way to get rid of it, it will come out and it doesn't come out in a good way. You've got to find a way to have that emotional release.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Love that, love that advice. One day at a time, focus on what you can. And the, the distraction. I'm actually a psychology major and I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of college because of how a lot of the stuff isn't translatable into the uh, real world. But one of the things I did learn was that a lot of people with depression, um, they're kind of two ways people cope. You either ruminate or you distract yourself. And um, the people who distract themselves have like longer term, longer term are happier than the people who ruminate on their depression. So rather than sitting there and thinking about it, Having a positive activity to distract yourself that's maybe around some other people is a great way to um, cope with a situation like that. So I love what you're doing for the kids, John, and I appreciate it because there are a lot of them that need you. Um, But going on that, you've talked about your passion for kids and a lot of the stuff you do in life is built around that passion for helping people uh, just Let's get a little bit more specific about what exactly is your motivation for all of this.
1: Oh, good question. How, how long do we have?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got as much time as you need.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe in, in helping the community. If you, I mean, God put me in a situation for a purpose. And I can either sit on it and not use it and be glad that I'm healed from it because I am I'm, I'm healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually or I can take it and I can help other kids that are struggling. And, um, and I, I speak to adults as well. It, 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 what I've found is that a lot of adults carry stuff into their adulthood from their childhood that they've never resolved. And we, I think it's one of the reasons that we have so, such a high divorce rate is because people are trying to find somebody to fix them. And it's like, nobody, no, no one else can fix you. You have to do the hard work on yourself. Like I've done it, it with a psychotherapist it is hard as hell and it's no fun. Oh, yeah. But but it is worthwhile because you get through these things and you see. You know, like for one thing I saw was it's um, sorry, I rambled a lot, but it, it was a, a coping mechanism for me to kind of stuff that stuff down when I was a, a young person. It was just a coping mechanism to get through. It's not a healthy coping me- mechanism for adulthood. So I had to relearn a lot of ways that I think, and a lot of ways that um, I would process emotions. So when I first, I, and I found the right psychotherapist. I, I in fact, I, in my book I have his name in there because I, I, I've probably sent a dozen people to him over the last decade. He's just the right guy. But um, like he's, I would talk to him about. Like I could get these anxiety, not anxiety, but but just butterflies in my stomach, like this emotion coming up, or kind of a fear, if you will. And his response, he just said, well, just sit with it. Sit with it? I don't want to sit with it. He goes, I know you don't, but in the past, you've done something to avoid it. And how's that worked out for you? Well, okay, you're right. I mean, I not want to hear that, but but you're right. Yep. And he said, just sit with it. He said, because what you're going to learn is this, the longer you sit with it, it's not a one and done cure, but the more you sit with it, the, the more you're going to weaken its power over you, and so you know the next time that that fear-filled emotion came up, I just sat with it, and it's uncomfortable, man. It is really uncomfortable because I want to go back to my old ways, but um, I, 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 I stuck it out. I sat with it. It passed, which is what he said because it will pass without you doing anything. Just sit there, and it, it and when it came up the next time. I did it again i sat with it and it wasn't as long and now i don't have that happen anymore so you know i'm, I'm free you know but yeah. but i know that that happens with people so i i try to you know my motive is to is to help people heal themselves and, and I, i'm not a healer i'm not a therapist I, I was a psychology major also you know i went into a whole different industry because I was through with school, man. I didn't want to go to grad school and, yep. you know, sit, 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 in, sit in the room, people going, how does that make you feel? You know, but, but, uh, and by the way, David doesn't do that. <laughs> David <laughs> He doesn't do that, but, um, the, the motive comes from, I am so fortunate. I practice gratitude actively and it's like most of my prayers are prayers of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for my beating heart. Thank you. I woke up today. Thank you. But I have food, I have a safe place to live. It's just stuff that we all take for granted. I mean, fresh air isn't something we take for granted. But if you're a baby in Syria and your leader has gas bombed you, every breath you take such, it will kill you. And, and so we don't need to take it for granted. I'm you know, in, in, a, in a great thriving community, a city, and I don't have that to concern myself with. I don't have to worry about bombs being dropped on my city. Um, so I don't think I do, but yeah. <clears throat> so I try to, I try to reach and impact as many people as I possibly can in any form I possibly can. Two years ago, you're going to kick out of this. Um, I was asked to, to be the morning keynote speaker for a church camp, right? And it was here in Austin at Mount, greater Mount Zion Baptist churches where it was held. It, it's a black church and they, they had bust in kids from all over Texas for this three day church camp. I'm in a, I'm at the, on the stage in a church and I get down and go walking around the audience with the microphone and I'm the only white guy in there. These are all (laughs) kids, the same thing. They're they're like eight years to, I think 16 or so, and about four to 500 people, including the adult supervisors, camp counselors, et cetera. And and I got to tell you, Timothy, it was, it was a blast because, um, I I connected with them too. I just told my story. I asked the pastor, um, Daryl Horton here in town. I said, you know, you know my story. What do you, what do you want me to talk to, to talk about? He goes, he goes just tell your story, okay? And so I did, and I didn't hold anything back. I think I even said a couple of dirty words in church, which I'm, you know, scared of. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you're honest with kids and you can watch their body language and you can tell by the questions they ask that you're really making a connection. So it's like, I, you know, I, I could have stayed there all day with those kids but they had another keynote coming in who happened to be Brian Manley, the chief of police at the time. He was a oh, wonderful yeah. man, but he was the afternoon keynote. They go, look, well, we got you know, to take the hook and pull you off stage, man. But, <laughs> but I, I, my motive is just, it's kind of, and I don't want this to sound selfish because it's not, I get a better feeling from giving to those people than um, I can even describe. It's a thing of doing something for someone who can never do anything to repay you. But I, I, I thrive on that. And I love the fact that, I, you know, four or 500 people, I may reach 15, 20 people. And that's the sad thing because you want to reach everybody. But it's just the numbers. It's just just how it works. But to know that I did, and by the way that we connect and we talk and we interact and how many kids were like infringing upon their lunchtime to to stand in line to talk to me afterwards one-on-one uh, that's what motivates me because I know I'm I know I'm reaching them. Kids reach, send me a thank you notes from a detention center. I know I'm reaching them. I'm making an impact, and they're repeating in their thank you notes what I said to them and what impacted them. So that motivates me to go do it even more and just keep keep going because you know you, you kind of need some convincing that you really are making an impact. And and when I start feeling like am I, then all of a sudden something comes up and yeah, I, I am so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I love that feeling that you described because I've heard over and over in books and from people and just from personal experience with like the few times I've done it, cause I haven't done it extensively, but with the couple of times that I've done it, I'm like, no, this is, this is awesome. And it like gives you energy and gives you like, I, I, it's almost like a little slice of heaven, like a little, getting a little yeah. slice of um, like what God gets to do for us all the time. So I love I that it you is. And I
1: think I think you hit on something which I, I say to people all the time. So, you know, we're made in his image. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need anything from us. I mean, he's self sufficient. They say on the seventh day, he rested. He didn't take a day off. He didn't even take a moment off, you know? <laughs> but that feeling that we get when we give to others that cannot do anything to repay us, that's what he does. He provides fresh air, he provides sunshine, he provides. The plants the nature the, the the community the friends the friendship the food he, he provides everything so he just gives and gives and gives and that's the feeling he gets times a trillion because he's god and i'm not but yeah but it's, i think it, i think it's that and it, and it goes back to even um i don't know a lot of scripture i i know some and i do bible study of on my in, in uh pretty uh often but but um I don't know where this is in the Bible. One thing Jesus said was, He said, What you do for the least among you, you do for me. And that has always stuck with me. It's like, whatever you do for the least among you, you do for me. And that means kids in detention centers, you know, if I can provide some hope, anything I say that that is good, that's impactful, or anything I write that I I put on paper or a blog or the book or whatever, like anything I do that's impactful. Doesn't come from me because it, it, I'm not that good. Okay, I'm really not <laughs> that good. But it's God speaking through me, and so since I can do those things, I have an obligation to serve Him by doing those things.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Love it, love it. All right, well, I'm running a little short on time, so I don't want to okay. uh, keep you over too much. So let's just go. Skip. We're going to skip the part where we talk about the city of Austin. I'm sure you have great things to say about Austin, but I kind of want to hear more about your dream and how people can help you with your dream.
1: Sure. First of all, I can, I am um, always looking for groups to speak to, always. And it doesn't matter if it's kids or adults. I have a way I can, I can, I have talks I can give that are from the heart. Everything I do is, is something from the heart. It's not, I'm not, I don't really like talking about business and stuff. I can, I can talk about geopolitics, but. It's not as, um, I'm doing a talk in a couple of months about, about you know, deeper connections with your clients, how to have deeper connections with clients and prospects. And it really, that is about you know, everybody that you meet, everyone, it doesn't matter if you're in Austin, Texas, if you're in Moscow, if you're in Sub-Saharan Africa, every person is searching for two things, who am I and why am I here? And yeah. that's how we as human beings can connect their identity and their purpose. I call it your personal IP address. Everybody knows internet protocol. This is identity and purpose. Oh, yeah. So, so so my dream is to continue do, you know, speaking as often as I can. I don't I don't charge by the way to, to do it. I, I just enjoy it so much. And it's like I've been given this gift. So I just go do it and I count on God to provide for me and let me down. So but it, yep. so if they if they want to um, connect with me, they can find me on Facebook or Instagram. or My blog, my blog site is www.seeking-grace.com or they can go to my my uh, webpage, which is www.johnheraldauthor.com. J-O-H-N-H-A-R-R-E-L-L-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. My podcast is fed into that. So every day the new podcast loads. My daily inspirational blog is fed into that, so they can go to the blog and and read that if they wish, um, and they can contact me through email address. I answer every email that I get, um, and I've gotten. I wrote the book three years ago, and I've gotten hundreds of emails. It takes some time because I get a lot of email, but but I always will send an answer back if someone takes the time to email. I will always always answer them. Um, so. Any opportunities to do that, to serve the community, especially with kids, I, am, I, I welcome that because I love, I love kids and I have a heart for kids. And I know kids are struggling, absolutely struggling, and they need confirmation that they are valuable, they are here for a purpose. There is a reason for their life, and it's more than what we just see around us, so much bigger. So I want to help them, encourage them to dream big, worthwhile dreams make your dreams and your goals about money because you'll always be chasing. That's not sustainable. Make your goals and your dreams about reaching and impacting others. And then you get paid in a way that you can't put a value on because it is, it is absolutely priceless. I hope that answered answered your question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. And so just kind of gleaning from that, you really want to, help as many people as you can. I assume that's your dream. And the way that you really like to do that is speaking engagements and getting to have conversations about that personal IP
1: address. Correct, correct. And, just Love how to, it. and how to start, how to start, how to start healing the stuff inside of you and that is damaged. And again, I'm not a psychotherapist, but I can tell you that if you actively will practice gratitude, meaning just write down three things, write down one thing in a journal in the morning time that you're, that you're grateful for. Uh, Maybe it's a conversation you had with a friend the day before and you really had a deep conversation that wasn't surface stuff, right? Write it down because over time practicing gratitude changes the biochemistry of your brain. You as a psychology major know that. It changes it for the better. You start seeing the world and seeing other people through a different prism. It opens your eyes to so much more when you do this. And so yeah you know, when you're talking to kids that are under lockdown about practicing gratitude, they're like, what do I have to be grateful for? Well, and then I walk, I walk through some things that they are, that they, that they just pointing out what they should be grateful, grateful for. So
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Love it. <laughs> Love
1: it. Um, all
0: right, let's uh, go ahead and hop into our thriving three, because um, you've been through a lot and you've gotten to the point where you're healthy all the way around now. So I want to hear about kind of what you are doing in your daily life to thrive and we already heard one of them you love to practice gratitude um but yeah i like to ask about how people like to learn or how they like to just gain more information and i do that with what's your favorite book and so let's go ahead and start there what's your favorite book
1: favorite book and favorite movie of all time are the same to kill a mockingbird
0: Yep, love it.
1: In fact, I have a picture of um, Atticus Finch and Tom Robinson on my wall in my home.
0: You know, it's such a... Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's such a popular uh, book and movie, and I think I saw the movie, or at least part of the movie, when I was like a small kid, and I don't remember it at all. <laughs> it's,
1: it's worth going on, uh, I don't know, if it's, on, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or where. But to me, it's it's worth it. Um, everybody needs role models in their lives, and and I discovered Atticus Finch at the right moment in my life, and um, he was just this man that was in nineteen. the, the, the setting is nineteen thirty three, Alabama, and racially segregated, and he was hired, appointed actually by the by the court to defend Tom Robinson, who was accused of raping a white woman. Now when you watch it, you can tell this won't spoil it for you, but there's no way that he, that he did what they, what, what he was accused of. Yep. But, um, they needed, they needed a scapegoat and, but the whole story of Atticus and what a solid man he was in, in all ways teaching as he's a single father, his wife had died. And so, um, how he taught his kids about compassion, kindness, Doing for others and being respectful, and it's just—it's just incredible. And so, uh, the author Harper Lee was her name. I thought it's got Atticus has got to be based on somebody. It's based on her father. So it's, it, but it, it gave—it gave me someone to look up to. You know, when you're a kid, you need role models. You need people to look up to. And I don't think that that Dennis Rodman is the good role model. Okay, but. <laughs> I think that when I found Atticus Finch, I'm just picking on Rodman. I think he's actually a <laughs> pretty colorful character. But when I found Atticus, was the right time in my life, and I said, okay, no one can live up to to, to how he was, but you can sure you can sure shoot for it. You can try, and he was a character driven guy. And so I had that. You know, as, as a man, a young man, I needed a man. I needed a solid man as someone to look up to, a role model, and I found it add
0: your Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Okay. The other thing I like to do is, and I think this is kind of with your gratitude uh journaling and perspective on life. Um what is one way you like to care for yourself when things get stressful or just daily when things are like normal and you just want to make sure that you're well maintained.
1: Oh typically alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um you know I, I'm kind of hardwired differently. I don't have bad days. Um, I always joke about it. I go, well, I only have one bad day a year, but I already had it, so you're safe. It's not today. <laughs> but I really don't. I don't, get, I don't get down or depressed like like people do. I don't have bad days. I don't let my moods control me. So what I what I typically do in the last year, um, 14 months, I guess, of the pandemic, and this has tapered off in the last month, but but... I was sending a hundred to two hundred text messages, calls to people, just checking in with them because you know I know that isolation is not a good thing. So when I do that, whether they respond or not, it didn't matter. But I know when I'm doing that, they know somebody actually cares and is thinking about them. I try to put the focus elsewhere. And it just kind of it kind of keeps me on you know on that high, if you will. But I, I never if you if you if you Know about my background, how I was raised, and how I was taught to dumb down my emotions. Don't show emotions, and 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 that they aren't valid. And then um, I should be a I should be a raving sociopath, you know, somebody without a conscience. But I'm not. I was spared. I don't know why. I don't know why. I do know why, but I don't know why. It was me because a lot of people that grew raised like me grow up. They have no conscience. They don't care. They're a raving narcissist, and Yep. I'm fortunate that, I, that I'm not, I'm a, a kind-hearted person, so I try to just reach out and, and and keep in touch with others, letting them know that someone's thinking about them, you know, that you're staying connected to family and friends, you're doing okay, and you know, oftentimes I get back, them. thank you for checking in on me, I, pr- I really appreciate it, because we need to stay in community with each other, even there's a lot of these are casual people, I've, you know, I got a couple of really close friends here in town, but the others are just kind of casual relationships, but I think it's important to check in with those people and that connection, because people were scared. They were scared about what the pandemic is going to look like. How long we're we going to be in a lockdown? We, you know, at the time you're thinking it could be three years, right? And yeah. um, we're all going to be a bunch of mass fools. <laughs> but uh, but it but it turned out that we're coming out. We're coming in for a landing on the pandemic. And I keep going, okay, what's next? You know, we had this, the snowstorm of the century in Austin, which we don't, you know, it's been. Since 1949, we had this kind of weather. We don't typically get that, and then they have a shipping uh, container ship get blocked the Suez Canal for a week. I'm like, okay, what's coming next, right? Yeah, <laughs> just makes you wonder. But I got to believe it's something. I got to believe it's something good. That's just how I'm hardwired. So, so to take care of myself, I try to reach out to others. And, and uh, again, it's it's not a good answer, but it's the truth. I I don't have bad days like most people have. So unfortunate i don't know why i don't
0: but i just know hey that is a fantastic answer and honestly i think it's the best one i've heard literally ever because that is like the epitome of you take care of yourself by choosing to go out and take care of others and if that's not like dying to yourself and not letting your mood like get you and choosing to like bear that cross and love others i don't like i just saw straight gospel in your answer which is why I really appreciate it because you're like, I don't know why. And I'm sitting here like, well, I know why. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's real, it's really just like, yeah, that, that's why you're, you're a Christian man. And it shows in how you carry yourself and love others. And I think that's fantastic.
1: There is, there's one thing I would love to, to um, leave your viewers with. It's a, it's a saying that comes from, I believe it's, St. Francis of Assisi, because I know know people that can spout scripture off, you know, chapter, verse, and everything, and I I really can't. I know a few, but I kind of get turned off by those people. You know, tell you the truth, Um, because it's more like the old "actions speak louder than words." And and St. Francis said, "Preach the gospel often; use words when necessary." So show that show that you're a Christian by the way you act, and it's like you know Christians. Christians can be, and you know, we talked about this on the phone. It's like Christians can be a tough crowd because, like, oh, they're not our kind of Christians. You know, they're 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 not they're not as good as us. Or whatever. What's our kind of Christians? You know. Yep. I, I did an interview back, you know, released it on January 31st with a young lady. Just she's so sweet. She is a professional musician, professional chef, ordained pastor. She's also a lesbian. And as people say, well, you can't be gay and be a Christian. Yeah, you can. And, yeah yeah. You know, we always want to what we want to project on other people um, and kind of pick and choose the sins that we may want to compare against right but it's like you know what and I wrote this in my book leave the judging to God because he's the only one who has all the answers anyway we don't yep. we don't I can only work on myself and I w- allow the scripture that I read and study learn to Flow through me, without having to count off. You know, spell out John three sixteen, which everybody you know knows. I mean, just turn on a football game, right? Watch the field goal yep. being made. There's John <laughs> three sixteen. Exactly. And, uh, anyway, I did. Uh, I think your your viewers, based on the content of your of your podcast, you might enjoy my book. It's called again, "Killing My Father Then Finding Him," written in 2018. It's only 46 pages, and I kept it short because I wanted men to read it too. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a book about a lot about my life, and it's about observations such as judgment, uh, purpose, um, faith. There's a chapter on that. And uh, I've gotten uh, great reviews on it. And uh, it, it, anyway, it is a short book, but it, it is written from the heart.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there any last things that you want to talk about before we sign off?
1: Um, I would mention the, the charity that I'm privileged to serve on the board for. It's called Rachel's Challenge. And um, you can look it up. Our website's not real impressive. We put most of the resources into, say we, I don't work there, I'm just on the board. but They put most of the resources into programs. They're primarily in schools. Rachel. It was named for Rachel Joy Scott. Rachel was the first child killed at Columbine High School in 1999. Her dad, Daryl, and stepmom Sandy took that horrific tragedy, turned it into something for good. You know, sadly, 17-year-old kids die every day. Rachel's story has been experienced by over 30 million people worldwide. Something bigger at work here. It's in schools, so it's non-religious, non-political but there's definitely something that causes kids to see her story, it gives them hope. They get a few hundred letters, emails every year from kids who are gonna commit suicide. Many times the very day that Rachel's story showed up in their school, and they decided that they had renewed hope. And it's just, there's something really special about it. And and in May of 2015, Daryl Scott, Rachel's dad, we were talking, and, and I wasn't even on the board yet. But we were talking, and and they talked about the future of Rachel's Challenge, what he wanted to do, how he wanted to expand, et cetera. And he said something to me that stuck with me. That is, I can repeat it verbatim. He said, "John, none of none of this would have happened. None, none of none of the lives we've impacted, the lives that Rachel's story has saved, would have happened if I had not found it in my heart to forgive the two shooters who murdered my daughter." That is forgiveness on a level most people never get to and never need to get to. And I certainly don't want to ever be in that position. But um, that is the power of forgiveness. And he said, I was able to do it pretty quickly, which is kind of wild. But uh, anyway, that, that, would, that is the thing I would say is Rachel's challenge is another great privilege. I have serving on that board. They have 10 full-time employees, and they get more down with 10 full-time employees than companies like IBM do, okay? I and mean, I always always joke at board meetings, go, you know what? You guys are so productive and so effective at what you do. I think the federal government can learn a lot from y'all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm so glad you brought it up because I meant to ask about it, I think in the dream section and I just, mm-hmm. just slipped my mind. So thank you for bringing that up. And what it primarily does is it goes into schools and tells the story for kids and help they, them they use out.
1: use about, about, about an hour, hour and five minute um, presentation using a speaker and also multimedia. They'll show, for middle schools and high schools, they'll show scenes from Columbine, they'll show scenes of SWAT team getting kids out of there and they will walk through it. Um, then they talk about Rachel and how, what a unique child she was. She reached out to three groups in school, kids who were new to school and didn't have any friends, kids who were getting bullied in school and also kids that were special needs. Who are very much getting getting bullied, um, and she just reached. Out. She didn't care about being popular. She was a beautiful high school kid and pretty unique, pretty unique though. And when you read her writings, she has six journals she left her family with. And you read her writings, it blows your mind. You go, seventeen year old girl that wrote this stuff had God speaking through her all the way because it's deep writing that 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 is mind blowing when you see this. Stuff. Like, I will not. I refuse to be labeled as average or um, figure out who you are and don't change for the crowd. Just, just stuff that is, I turn on to it because that's kind of the same stuff I say, but, but it's um, remarkable. And there's something bigger at work here. I'll tell you a, a quick story. There is a young man, and, and Daryl did not know this about his daughter. He knew she was kind of a spark plug. She was the middle child of five kids. But he, he said that at her funeral, and for months after, he said, I had kids that she went to school would come up and tell me about how she, Rachel, had impacted their lives. One boy comes up to uh, Mr. Scott, Daryl, and says, "Scott, I, you know, your daughter saved my life, and I never got a chance to tell her." And he said, well, "What's the story? Tell me." He said, and his name is Adam. Adam is a is a special needs, medium functioning special needs guy, big, big, tall guy, you know. And and uh, he said, I got picked on every day of school, every day of my life at school. I got picked on got called retard and pushed against the wall, and just, and just said, so I hated going to school. And one day I was at my locker and I was getting my stuff ready for the next class. And these two bigger guys came up and they start pushing me against the lockers and they take all the stuff out of my locker and they pull it out and they just kick it down the hallway. And, you know, Adam, being special needs, got really excited, you know, just very excitable and said, so Your daughter saw from way down the hallway what was going on. And she ran down the hallway and got in between me and these bigger guys. Now, she was only about five feet tall. Yeah. She balled up her fist and said, next one of y'all that messes with him has to go through me. Now, I doubt they were really scared, but whatever she said, impacted. the they turned and walked away. Then she took and helped Adam put his stuff back together, how to, to helped him organize his locker and then walked him to class. And he said, she took it further. She went to her friends and said, Adam doesn't have any friends here. He has no community. If you see him sitting by himself at lunch, go sit with him. If he's, by, if he's by himself in class, let go sit with him. See him down the hall, give him a pat on the back. You don't have to marry him. Just give him a sense of community. He said, what she never knew was that very day that she took up from me at the locker, I was going to go home and kill myself. And when she took up from me, he said, I couldn't do it. I would have felt like it would have been for nothing. And she saved my life. And and the other thing he said was, and I often wondered if I had killed myself, would anybody even notice? That's what what kids are going through. That's what kids are dealing with. Be noticed, you know, we, Rachel's challenge will, it allows kids to be, to feel safe enough to let their guard down. So you'll see the high school quarterback and the five foot tall thespian connect because they both go home to alcoholic families, and they don't want anybody to know, but they share that experience, and they may not become best friends or anything, but they see each other in a different way. They see each other for who that person truly is, not the facade that we all will put on, and we want people to see us, and we see that in schools, when Rachel's Challenge is there, referrals go down by 80 percent. Uh, scores, go, test scores go up, truancies go down. I mean, the whole culture of the school changes for better, and that's what we want. We want better, more deeper connected schools for our kids, and learning goes up. You can't learn if you're in a constant state of fight or flight. You've got to be in that in that frontal cortex uh, mode too, and 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 we need both, but. Kids that are come from from crazy backgrounds are always in fight or flight. It's just it's just that. And you go to school if you're getting picked on or, or looked over, or whatever. You're just trying to maintain and get through the day. So it has such a positive reach and impact on kids. That again, I I've been on the board six years now. This month, actually, and I am so honored to be with the people on that board and people that work there. Just they're just great people. I mean, they just I can't say enough good things about the people that work there. They're just wonderful people.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If we wanted to support Rachel's Challenge, how would we do it?
1: Um, you, there's a donate spot on the Rachel's Challenge website, which is rachelschallenge.org, R you a c h e l s c h a l l e n know, g e rachelschalleng rg You can donate there, um, and <clears throat> the uh, every donation has been matched uh, dollar for dollar, and there's it's kind of go- going on. Or, um, forever, so there's a very generous ban- benefactor that matches everything, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to see the good in people, rather than what we, you know. I always tell people turn the news off because if something really big happens, somebody will tell you. If another 9/11 occurs, somebody's going to tell you. Take the time to go listen to a podcast, go find, go read something, you know, that, that lifts you up, that's edifying. Learn to say no, but that's but that's how they would. Would find it. They're on, you know, Facebook. They have a Facebook page. They have a Instagram, and they have Twitter and all. And they're really kind of beef beefing up the uh, social media presence. But, uh, it's it's um, uh, again, it's one it's one of those things I'm privileged to do. And who'd have thought twenty years? I never, I never would have thought that I'd be connected with somebody that that lost the child at Columbine. You know, when I'm yeah. watching it on TV, watching it happen, you just never think you're going to be connected, right? Yeah. Absolutely. God does work in some unique ways, man, but I, I am perfectly matched for that organization because of their focus on young people.
0: If we say a parent's listening to this and they want to get Rachel's challenge in their school, mm-hmm. how would they do it?
1: So they could uh, contact the organization directly. There's a tab that says book an event. They can they can reach me and I can put them in touch with the right person. His name's Andrew Strait, who is the direct, the national director of Partnerships. It's not. We got the word sales out of it. It's not really sales. They want to partner with schools and school districts to uh, to really help them help their school become more connected. And so uh, either either way works fine. But again, there is a booking event, and they, they will they will get, they will get in touch with you. Believe me.
0: Gotcha. Uh,
1: they've been been pretty much shut down for the last year because schools were not in. Now we are yeah. about to get back into. Back into the swing of things with the pandemic uh, waning, and on the board board meetings, I said, I said recently, I said, look, you guys need to be ready because the social emotional learning component is going. You're going to be overwhelmed. The counselors are going to be overwhelmed because kids have had they've gone a year without without any validations. Not all kids, but but a lot a lot of kids. It happens a lot more often than we ever want to acknowledge. So just get ready because they're looking, they're looking for someone to say, you know what? You're okay. Your life matters. You matter. You have a, you have a bright future ahead of you. I don't care what's going on at home. I don't care what's going on there. You have a purpose. You have a reason to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another that. one of those things I, I can talk till this time tomorrow, one breath about Rachel's challenge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, I love it. And, uh, now thank you for being on the podcast is there anything else that you want to talk about anything else you want to say about rachel's challenge or one last
1: thing that popped in my head then, then i promise well, i'll try to shut up okay i, pro- I promise i'll try i can't <laughs> promise I'll shut up you know i love to i love to i love to engage like this but i think that we can solve all societal ills if we just do a two-step approach first one is Start seeing yourself the way God, the creator, sees you. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make junk. He made you and me and everybody we see exactly the way he wanted us for purpose. You can start seeing yourself the way the creator of the universe sees you and accept that you connect your head to your heart on that when it becomes part of who you are. It's a second step. Start seeing other people that way. You start seeing other people the same way that you see yourself with the, the vertical connection with the creator you take it horizontally, then, then we get rid of racism, we get rid of bigotry, we get rid of hatred. Um, and I know this is a huge dream. There is evil in the world. So you're not gonna reach everybody, but if you reach 20% of the people, think of how the bar would move for good, right? No. So I think, that is, I think that is uh, a thought that I would encourage your, your viewers to take home with them and say, okay, let me just start seeing myself the way God, the creator, sees me. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, when you, again, when you connect the head to the heart on that one, your internal value goes up because you realize God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. So yep. As humans, it's hard for us to get our head around that, right? Because I'll make thousands of mistakes over the course of the day. You know? yeah. the hour. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean... It's just, it's just how we are, but he doesn't. And everything is going to be for his purposes. But start so seeing yourself there step one, step two. See other people the same way. It cures a lot of societal ills that we are experiencing right now. So uh, anything, anything we can do to help that, I am for. And so and even people that don't believe in God, I'm like, that's fine. He believes in you. And you know, it's, at some point you may. But, yeah, but I think that's a, that, that is that is what I would like to leave. That thought is what I would like to leave your viewers with: the vertical relationship and then the horizontal relationship. And it, and it doesn't turn you into some religious weirdo or nut or something. You know, I mean, you know, people are scared about about talking about God because, like, am I just like going to be standing the street corner with a sign, you know? Or you know, no, not at all. You're still a person. You're still the same person. But you just have a have a whole different mindset of your purpose and you validate yourself and you realize that I am here for a reason. I am here for a purpose. And I don't always know what it is, but I but he does. And if I wake up every day then he's he's not through with me. No matter what our worst things is we've ever done in our lives, worst thoughts we've ever had, it's it's all it's all been taken care of. It's all been forgiven and and just don't let that stuff hold you back. So with that, I will shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for having me on. I, it's, it's an honor and I, I really appreciate the opportunity. So it, it, uh, it it's, it's, this has been great. It's been a great hour. So thank you.
0: Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. And if you're listening to this and you want to help John out with his dream of helping others, you have some sort of speaking engagement that he can come to local to the Austin area, or can it be somewhere else, John? Yep. Okay. Uh,
1: I'm giving talks in Los Angeles. Okay.
0: If you have a speaking engagement anywhere that you want John to come to and talk to, please hit him up. All of his information will be in the show notes. Also, if you heard about Rachel's Challenge and what they do, and it just touched your heart and you want them to come into your schools, their website will also be in the show notes. Go on the website, donate, book an event, do whatever you can, because... They are changing our schools and our schools are important because that's where our kids are.
1: Right.
0: All righty, John. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day.
1: you well, Timothy.
0: Talk soon, all right? Talk soon. All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Remember, help out our guests if you can. Hold them accountable. Accountability is key. Also, we would love to have you on the show to talk about your dreams. Let's make them a reality. Finally, if you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell real estate in the Austin area in 2021, send them my way. Alrighty, have a blessed day.